In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the season two finale of Yellow Jackets and some spoilers for the finale of season three of The Mandalorian and The Nerd Out. Be warned. Hello, my name is Jason Concepcion. And I'm Rosie Knight. And welcome to X-Ray Vision, the Crooked Media Podcast, where we dive deep into your favorite shows, movies, comics, and pop culture. In this episode, in the airlock, you've wanted it. So we're doing it. We are doing the Yellow Jacket season two finale. We're going to break down all the wildest things that happened. And there were a lot of them. There were a lot of them. It's bananas, folks. It's insane. In Nerd Out, Lee offers a Moff Gideon theory from the recent finale of The Mandalorian. Coming up, Yellow Jackets season two finale. We're stepping out of the airlock and into the frosty wilderness of the Yellow Jackets season two, episode nine, which is also the season finale. Episode nine, storytelling, directed by Karen Kusama. She came back. Icon. I love Karen Kusama. Jennifer's body, the invitation. She also directed the pilot and it was written by Amini Rosa. Now, the finale of Yellow Jackets season two finds the survivors in the present planning a new sacrifice and the survivors in the past dealing with the fallout of Harvey's death slash murder. And over the course of the episode, a ton of very wild stuff happens. So we're just going to break it down piece by wild piece. Jason, first of all, how did the finale work for you? It was very insane. I thought you could have combined season one and two and made one really crazy season of television. Mm -hmm. The Adam death murder storyline just took up way too much meat space mm-hmm. in this season. And ultimately, I feel like we didn't need it because we've ended up in a place and we get there in the most insane way where basically that chapter is closed. It's the Walking Dead issue. We did a lot of extreme stuff to get to a place where it doesn't matter. We ended up essentially where we kind of began at the beginning of season two, which is nobody knows and it doesn't matter. So I agree with you. I think... R.I.P. to Adam. <laughs> R.I.P. to <laughs> Loved Adam. Seemed like a really cute guy. Like, sorry he got chopped up. And I love the domestic drama between Jeff and Shauna. Jeff is going through it, man. And Callie's been a fun addition. But I agree. Absolutely. I would say, like, ridiculous. Like, the finale was totally wild. Like, ridiculous to me is not a negative thing. That is complimentary. But a lot of wild stuff happens. I would agree. I think that Adam Martin murder in hindsight that plot line like took up too much time. We could have sewn that whole thing up in like three episodes. I also think, look, people get murdered all the time and you know what? It doesn't always get solved. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying like that could have been a back burner plot line where we could have focused a little bit more time on the survivors. I think in small town, New Jersey, you got to solve this random murder of this kind of like working artist. And I think Kevin was like, this is my path to promotion. This is my path to success. It involves 
people that I kind of know and have a relationship with already. I got to solve this fucking crime. In fact, I have to solve it so badly that I'm going to get one of my colleagues to seduce a teenager. And that's how I'm going to do it. Like, that's how much he wanted to solve this murder. That was absolutely illegal. (laughs) I'm just saying, look, I know that maybe there are not many people around to hold the police accountable if they're doing illegal things. But I feel like Kevin was much too casual on that. So I agree with you. Him and M. Saracusa were a nightmare team who saw, you know, Adam Martin's death so that they could, you know, climb up the ladder of policing. Well, let's see how that worked out for them in this finale episode. I can't wait to talk about it. Okay, so in the 90s, we begin. It's the fallout of Harvey's death. Everyone's upset. Nobody wants to be eating Harvey's body, but they're all going to do it anyway. They have to do it. That's how it is in the wilderness, baby. The wilderness chose. And the first wild moment we have to talk about. So Shauna goes out. She chops up Harvey's body like she's been studying at butchery school. She is bringing that in. It looks delectable. How did she learn this? Also, that is like hard fucking work. At one point, and this made me laugh out loud, (laughs) you see Javi's heart, which has been extracted from his chest cavity. Woo! And it looks pristine and perfect and maybe a little big. Like, I think the upside for Javi's tragic death and later cannibalistic ritual devourment of his flesh, is that when you see that heart, I'm thinking, maybe Javi had some kind of heart disease, undiagnosed. Maybe there was an enlarged heart going on and this is a mercy. Yeah, at that age to have an enlarged heart. And I think maybe, just maybe, this was the better way for Javi to go. Yeah, he's just freezing in an ice pond as all your friends watch, you know, and then getting eaten. Yeah, drifting off to sleep, you know, as you kind of sink to the bottom of the lake. It'd be better than dropping dead like in the middle of eating Doritos or something because of your undiagnosed enlarged heart. His heart was so big. It was huge. You know, like when they crack open... Your chest cavity, when they're doing open heart surgery, that takes like... They need a saw! Bolt cutters and fucking saws and shit and like huge jacks and clamps and stuff. How did she do it? Prompt one, is Sean a supernatural? Oh no, that's market moves. (laughs) (laughs) But like... I want to know that. Also, how did Shauna get so good at chopping up a body? Because I swear she's only done it to a couple of things in the woods. So what's going on there? I think she just has a passion for it. She has a real, real passion for dissecting human bodies. As we saw, she was very good at it. We saw the horrible images of Adam Martin's body. She's kept up with that talent. (laughs) So the first kind of like WTF moment, Travis shows his subservience to the new regime and the, his acceptance of the fact Javi's died after like being outside for a couple of hours crying. He just yams the heart. He just yams it all down. He just takes a big bite out of it. Um, seems unhealthy. Are you going to get sick? I don't think you can just eat a raw human heart. Well, it was cooked, right? It was... He ate a bite of it raw before they cooked it. God damn. That is just so savage. I couldn't believe that he was just holding his brother's heart like that. Like, what? He's disassociating. He's on a Coach Ben path. There's no way you can survive. If I'm going to eat people, like, I have to. It's like, you know, the plane has crashed. We're in the woods, and we got to do it. Some people have died. Maybe not my brother, but, like, we got to do it. I'm starting with the bits that look like meat that you would get any other place. Give me some chunks, like, some kind of filet of butt. (laughs) 
or thigh. I'm not starting with an organ, and I'm certainly not starting with a recognizable organ like the heart. Exactly. I'm saying as well, Shauna, she butchered those into like nicely steaks. Yeah. She filleted Harvey and made him look edible. So yeah, that was wild. They cooked him up. They eat him. One of the big reveals from the finale is like Lottie is not really happy about Harvey's death. She feels like Misty took her words out of context. She was saying, if I die because Shauna beat the shit out of me, you guys can eat me. But she's like, Misty, I didn't tell you to go and kill a child. And Misty's like, shut the fuck up and go downstairs and eat that child. So Lottie makes a choice that she is going to anoint the next leader of the group, which if you remember season one, we were all calling her the antler queen. It's that hooded figure that you see with the with the antlers. And in a very shocking twist, she chooses Natalie. I got to tell you, Lottie, I don't know which way she's coming or going any given time. I thought she would love this. Here we are. We got it. We got a life. Someone has died. The wilderness unambiguously chose Javi after keeping him alive, you could argue. I think and someone should have. Not only did the wilderness choose him, the wilderness kept him alive for all these weeks and months specifically to choose him at this particular time to die for us. So we could eat him. Why are you losing your nerve about this, Lottie? Jason's like, I have been here for months convincing myself I have to eat a human and now I'm into it and the human smells delicious. You're like, I'm not into it. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) And now you're changing your mind. I propose this. Lottie did just get like severe head trauma from Shauna. So maybe she's been like kicked out of whatever kind of delusional state she was in. And she's had a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of brain injury, traumatic brain injury. I've had them in my life. They can change how you feel. And maybe that like she was feeling a little bit guilty. She was feeling a little bit bad. You know, her face is looking very healed. She's also in some form of fashion, neurodivergent and not taking her medicine like, yes. all of this time, plus the head injury, which I've been concussed as well. And it does make you certainly irritable and feel different. Mm-hmm. And so I'm guessing that that is part of it. I think that's a good call. Yeah. I mean, I'm very interested in it. I feel like whenever season three comes out, I hope we're going to talk a little bit about this with Natalie too, but I hope we get to know a bit more about Lottie because the rest of the girls, I feel like there is a certain amount of interpersonal connection or backstory that you get but with Lottie we don't really know much outside of her struggles with her mental health her family sucks and they're rich but we don't really know who she had a crush on or whether she even feels that way about people or what her kind of day-to-day life was like that made her a teenager she's kind of more of this supernatural kind of morally gray entity and I would like to know more about her as a person I feel the exact same way I think that this is an issue for all of our cast. Mm. I found myself thinking, not to jump ahead, but after we lose Natalie in the present, I was like, man, we don't know anything about Natalie. We know that she was struggled with addiction issues and that she also had a really fucked up family life. And we know, you know, that she fucked in the cabin somewhere. Mm-hmm. But other than that, we don't know much. And I was really sad when we lose her because I'm like, man, I feel like I was just getting to know her. I don't know enough about her. You're absolutely right. I think you could say all of them are that way. Yeah. This has just sparked something in my head that I was thinking a lot about. Something the first season did so well that I think made us feel like we were getting to know them. It had flashbacks a la Lost, right? Not whole episodes like Lost, but like that's how we know about Natalie's dad and how he accidentally killed himself 
we didn't really get any of that. We didn't get anything about the pre crash life apart from coach ben and some of that was kind of it was unclear whether that was imagined or real memories i think that a little bit more of the time could have been diverted to those aspects and learning more about the girls and their lives than you know wondering about what happened to adam martin we know dramatic irony baby we know he's dead so like i would have liked to see that because i think you're right and i think that lottie and natalie for me feel like the characters I would have liked to know more about the most out of the kind of hierarchy. But yeah, Natalie gets chosen to be the antler queen. Now I will say, the wonderful Sophie Thatcher who plays Natalie, who I think is so brilliant, she did confirm in a Hollywood Reporter article, she is the antler queen now. I do not believe that this is our final antler queen. Lottie anoints her and says, you're the leader, and all the girls kind of go up and vow themselves to her with kind of bows and it's quite sincere at the beginning and then Akilah does a little kind of funny curtsy and it becomes a little bit more fun but you can see Natalie is kind of getting drunk on being worshipped and being put on a pedestal for the first time in her life because she's always kind of been an outsider so I'm very interested in this because I feel like Natalie was the most logical faction in the 90s survivors and I feel like killing her, having to choose Harvey over herself was like very heartbreaking and she felt like she actually cared about it. So I don't know how far she's going to go into the life of the cannibalists. Here's the upside for me with this. I think from this, we can kind of intuit that there will be other antler queens, right? Yes, I totally agree. Here's the good news. This kind of patchwork society that has created itself in the woods has figured out one of the most complex problems in governance, which is how do you pass power? They figured it out. Mm. They've made the Antler Queen some sort of title that can be passed from person to person with very little murdering. Yeah. One person gets murdered at just one every time. Not that bad if you look at it. Societally, not that bad for just one murder to happen with the passing of power. If you look at history... Usually at least five murders. And then wars and all that stuff later. They figured it out where you just, you kill and eat one person and then you pass the title and that's it. If you guys remember, the original version of the sacrifice we saw last episode was, you know, Natalie pulled the Queen of Hearts card and that was the card that they would choose to sacrifice someone. But obviously now Natalie has become the Antler Queen. So that takes on a different kind of meaning, especially when... If you remember, Harvey pulled a king card. I believe it was a black king card. I can't remember exactly which one. But before Natalie dies in the present, that is the card she pulls. So I think that we can assume that from now, the Queen of Hearts card is more going to be about the antler queen and who is in charge of those decisions. And the king cards will be the ones where we see the people become sacrifices. Also, I do wonder if Natalie's root of being Antler Queen is going to be, let's jerky Harvey, let's put some of that meat away, let's just try and survive without doing any of that. And then when they run out of meat, she'll be overthrown or she'll pass the power to someone else. X-Ray Vision will be back. It's Pride Month and the Crooked Store has a whole collection of merch to help you celebrate and fight back against the total ghouls obsessed with what we wear and where we put it. The collection has everything from tees to bags so you can stock up. I'm not going to tell you how to celebrate Pride. That's not my job. But I will say, if you don't ruin at least one article of clothing this month, you could be doing more. So grab an extra tee. What are you doing with it? 
I don't know, maybe you spill some beans on it. Maybe you sneeze. But whatever happens, you need a new t-shirt. And good news, a portion of the proceeds will be donated to Crooked's incredibly named Fuck Bands Fund, which supports organizations working to prevent vulnerable people on the ground in states that are banning care and targeting trans youth. Boo, tomato, tomato to those people. Support that shit. You get the thrill of supporting organizers combined with the thrill of buying something online. Uh, impulse buying. It's a delightful feeling. So it's a win-win. Head to crooked.com slash store to check out the whole Pride collection. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. And we're back. This whole sequence really made me feel pretty strongly about our theory that there is no supernatural shit going on, Mm -hmm. right? This is just a kind of shared delusion Brought on by starvation, by underlying mental illness with no medications, by Mm -hmm. being trapped in this- Trauma. Trauma, by being trapped in this very extreme environment all together and being dosed regularly with hallucinogenic drugs. So I think that this is just like a kind of mass delusion. That said, do they remember this? This is the biggest thing. Do they remember that event? I think that they remember, from what we see in the present, they remember that at times they sacrificed people to appease the wilderness. But we get a really interesting line that comes up in the present, which we'll get to in a minute, but where Lottie, adult Lottie says, there's no it, it's just us. Right. It was always just us. Or Shauna says that and then Lottie says, does it matter? What's the difference? And that is the same. So this episode argues, I think, that the wilderness and appeasing the wilderness was essentially a story that they told. Right. So that they didn't feel guilty about eating people. Right. I love that you brought up the idea of this shared delusion, because I think something they do really well when they shoot Sophie Thatcher as she's sitting there and everyone's kind of bowing to her. There's this almost like religious fervor yeah in her eyes that comes over her like it it feels like they are lost in this struggle to survive when lottie said what's the difference i wanted to be like babe there's a tremendous difference yes. it is such an incredibly vast difference the distance from it's us to it's something other than us is so huge because like y'all are killing and eating people <laughs> 
Yeah, and and you're claiming that you're being forced to do it by a malevolent spirit, but right. it was actually and, you. That's the difference between culpability and complicity. Yeah. That's the like, difference between murder and manslaughter, probably. <laughs> Even though the statute of limitations is long gone. There's a huge difference, Lottie. Well, I'm glad we're going to get to that in a minute as well, because yeah. I want to talk about that whole situation at Camp Green Pine, because these people need to go yes, to therapy please. every single one. But OK, so finally, we're talking about that great shot where Sophie Thatcher is there and she's Natalie's like kind of taking in all this new passion and, and the love that her followers now have for her realizing her power. And through the window, Coach Ben sees her. Now, Coach Ben had already you know, said to Natalie, hey, I found Harvey's secret magical tree where he survived. <laughs> How about you come with me? Like we can be the cool kids who don't eat people and we can just survive there throughout the winter. And Natalie was like, ah, sorry, I killed Harvey. So can't do that. But you go off and do it. So then, and this is getting to the end of the episode because this one skips between so much. We're going to do the past timeline first and then the present timeline. It's good that we're skipping because it's just like the show. We should, in fact, just continue to skip from timeline to timeline. Yeah. So Coach Ben, in a shocking moment, we can assume it's him, I will say, allegedly, because we don't see him do it. Right. But the girls wake up as the episode comes to a close in the 90s, and the cabin is on fire. Yeah. Like, it is, like, doused with oil fire. Like, this thing is burning in the snowy wilderness. And the implication... We saw Ben previously with a box of matches and some firewood. So we can assume he burned down the cabin. I'm putting it right on Ben. Yeah, I'm putting it on him. I look, I'm going to say alleged legal reasons, <laughs> yeah. but I'm putting it on. It was Ben. Yeah. Sorry, guys. It was Ben. So we end the season in the past with them basically being in the true wilderness. Like if they were doing wild shit to survive when they had a shelter and a cabin, imagine what they're going to get up to now they have to live outside in the snow. It's not looking good for anyone. Ben, that was a really dumb move. Terrible choice. Yeah, I guess this is another one of those where I'm just like, why do this? I guess because you're just sick of everything and here they are, they're about to eat another kid and you've got a place to live now. But like, you know, you can stay in the stump, I guess, like for, you know, like personally, you can stay in the stump. We'd been saying like we thought maybe it was like, a you know, a lot in the ye olde times. They would essentially make like store cupboards underground and like the roots yeah. of trees. And, and I wonder if he found something like that. So he's feeling pretty good about himself and his chances to survive. I will say, I do wonder, I think this is a stupid idea because obviously they were all able to get out. He did not barricade the door well enough. And now they're going to eat you. Absolutely. No question. You'll get any. And yeah, now they're going to find you and they're going to eat you. You told Natalie about the tree. So she's going to know where to look for you. You have created a vengeful group of teenage girls who are going to eat you. But. I wonder if Ben's self-justification for it is something along the lines of like, they're all going to kill each other anyway. So this is better. Like just kill them all. And they they die in the night and they die a horrible fiery death, but at least that's better than them, you know, going around just like killing each other and eating each other for the next six months. I guess that was probably the thought, but then you got to barricade the door, my guy. You can't let them get out. I'm saying, like, you shouldn't be nailing some hammer and nails over the windows. You can't let them get out. You just created something terrible for yourself. Just sneak off and stay in the tree. If there are indeed stores somewhere in that tree, we saw that Javi was surviving on lots of meat. There was bones of things in there. Mm -hmm. If there is an access in that stump to food then just fucking stay there. They're not going to find... Maybe they'll find it. Maybe they won't. But like, uh, what a move. You didn't need to do that. Nobody is thinking straight. 
out here in the wilderness. Nobody's thinking. <laughs> that could Nobody. be like the pullest. Yellow yeah, Jacket season two. No one's thinking straight. Jason Conception, X Yeah, That's the, like on the, the poster. <laughs> in the past or in the future? Oh, yeah. Well, let's speak about the present. So in the present, if you remember last episode, episode eight, Lottie had proposed something incredibly logical, which was, hey, let's drink from these cups and one of them spiked with phenobarbital and if you drink that one you're gonna die but then the wilderness will let us be and our lives will be good now first of all i have a problem with this theory i brought it up last week but the truth is that doesn't make any sense because travis already died right so surely your life should be fine like how many times do you have to do a sacrifice yeah like you're talking about a lot that was like two months ago or something how many sacrifices do you need to do makes no sense but again i think this is this is a handful of mentally ill people like exactly. arguing about a supernatural shit that doesn't make any sense. Like, folks, we've got bodies already on the ledger. We don't need to be throwing other bodies at it. Let's put Adam in there. What about like ah. what about Adam? Throw another one in there. Fucking killed by the hand of of one of y'all. Thank you. Dead and cut up. I will say Adam. He adds a little bit, you know, to the theory that this does work, though, because after they Shauna killed it Adam, Jeff was selling sofas like hotcakes. Couldn't believe it. I, I it was agree. going well for Jeff only. It was yeah. going well for Jeff only. So this is a classic. Like you said, I think this is a bunch of mentally ill people who are really struggling with their decisions. Yeah. Because we end up in a situation here where Shauna decides the best way to distract Lottie from her plan to kill them all is to be like, don't no 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 if we're gonna do it yeah we gotta just like sacrifice yeah. someone and kill them with a knife in the woods yeah we gotta do it for real <laughs> yeah like we used to we don't just want to be drinking this nice cup yeah and i'm like babe shauna why are you always doing this every time every single time also actually sorry i just need to skip back because i did forget this one of the best moments of this finale that i love so much that is either absolutely irrelevant and just a hilarious character moment or incredibly important and will shape the next season. After Lottie chooses Natalie to be the antler queen, we get a clip of Shauna and she's writing in her diary and she's like, why wasn't it me? Why wasn't I chosen to be the leader? After everything I have done, I have been chopping up everyone. And I was like, wow, Shauna, you are petty and I love you. Dear diary, do my friends hate me? Question mark. I know that we started off on the wrong foot with me fucking my friend's boyfriend, but she's dead now. We ate her. And we've kind of patched things up in the afterlife. Like I had a a long running multi-week delusion (laughs) where I was talking to her and then I ate her ear and we're good now. But now all of a sudden I chop up Javi and all of a sudden nobody wants to choose me for Antler Queen? What the fuck? What the fuck? That was like so good. So Shauna's really channeling that energy here with this terrible choice. Yeah. So that sets off a whole series of events. And they're like, well, we'll do that to distract Lottie. But what do they do in the meantime? Nothing. Pure chaos. Jeff shows up to Camp Green Pine with Callie. Terrible parenting. Jeff, don't do it. Shouldn't have done that. Love you, Jeff. Love you deeply. I'm like the head of your fan club, but don't do it. Jeff and Callie turn up. Jeff goes inside and finds Kevin Tan, the cop, talking to Walter. Why is he there? This is what we call Walter X Machina. I love Elijah Wood. I think they're very lucky they got him for this role. He sells it for me, even when it gets outrageous. But Kevin and Walter, they're just having a friendly chat. You know, Kevin is questioning Walter. Walter's pretending that he thinks that, you know, the people from 
the yellow jacket yeah. survival crash they're really bad people why don't you have some delicious hot cocoa yeah. kevin tan while i tell you this story are you a detective oh i love being a detective i'm kind of a detective yeah I, uh, i'm in part of the oh. amateur detective community you might have heard of us have uh, you heard of us yeah <laughs> have you heard of us and uh, Jeff shows up and he's like, fuck, Kevin, you followed me here. I'm really dumb. I should have realized that was going to happen, but I didn't because I'm like a sweet himbo who just loves my wife. I'm going to false confess that I killed Adam Martin so that you leave my wife alone. It's very honorable. Kevin is clearly quite is moved it? and upset because <laughs> it's, well, you know what? I like Jeff. I like Jeff because he is crazy. Just as crazy as Shauna. Let me say this about Jeff, who has been going through it all season and is going through it in this episode in a wonderfully unhinged performance by Warren Cole, who's like... Unbelievable. Jeff is on the edge of tears this entire episode. <laughs> and it must have been so emotionally grueling to film this. And I'll say this about the, the honorableness of his decision here. It is, I guess... It's loyal. That's the word I should have used. It's loyal. Here's my counter. You're leaving Callie with your insane wife. I know. Like, you're the level-headed one. <laughs> like, throw her under the bus. <laughs> I know. I do wonder about that. But I'm also like, maybe he's like, I'll be safer in prison from my wife and my uh, daughter. <laughs> <laughs> that might be it. Yeah. My mass murdering cannibalistic wife. And her cool daughter who yeah. like is clearly getting more and more into that lifestyle as, as she gets really, older. Yeah. So it doesn't matter because guess what? Jeff, his confession is useless because that delicious cocoa with marshmallows and whipped cream that Kevin Tan was sipping on in the kitchen of Camp Green Pine, it was spiked with phenobarbital and boom, Kevin Tan's dead. Not knocked out. Not asleep. Can you just get phenobarbital? Like, where are people just getting phenobarbital? So did he get it from where Lottie had it because Misty told oh, him that, that Lottie had case. it? Or did he bring his own phenobarbital? Because this is clearly not the first time this man's murdered someone. Oh, clearly not. And <laughs> I just have... My issue with this is this. One, I would have loved to see Jeff and or Shauna get out of this situation on their own, not have mm. uh, Deus Ex Walter like show up and, and <laughs> kill the guy. And secondarily, Walter, which is our next bullet point, then goes to M. Saracusa and is like, hey, so you're going to go along with this, that it was actually Kevin that killed Adam for this and this and this reason. I've set it up. I put up the text messages. I've got, I've got all the fake messages and stuff yeah bank details bank details everything i'm a billionaire i got i can do whatever i want it looks fucking good yeah this is i just do this for laughs like this is a hobby of mine i'm into it and you're gonna find that it's seamless and you're gonna go along with it because if you don't go along with it it's gonna look like you did it and oh by the way also you were attempting to date like a high school junior or and or senior as part of this so it's like it's gonna look really really bad for you why would M. Saracusa go along with it? Like, wouldn't he be like, I guess I'm going to have this murder hanging over my head for the rest of my life? I think that the argument, because we've talked about what a shithead M. Saracusa is. He really this whole is season. a dumb man. He is the fucking worst. Yeah. I think the argument here is like Walter plays into his ego. One, he does set M. Saracusa up for the murder of Kevin Tan because he steals his gun and then just <laughs> shoots Kevin three times. Yeah. And I think he plays into his ego and he's basically like, 
you can be the hero. You took him down. You found the evidence. That's right. You get that promotion that you guys had really wanted and nobody <laughs> finds out you were dating a teenager. And actually you can go and you can go and date more teenagers and steal more information from them and manipulate them. I don't care. Yeah, have at it. Go for have it. Have at it. Go crazy. So I think that's the the reasoning, but it is extremely outrageous. Yeah. I feel like it tips the show into a different space. It's almost slapstick in the way it goes down. Like it's yeah, it's almost a comedic piece in the way he just like drops dead like a Looney Tunes character. Mm -hmm. Also, look, I don't want anyone out here reading anything into this that isn't about it yet. I'm not saying I wish Kevin Tan lived. Look, he was not doing a good job. He was a bad cop. But out of the two of them, I would rather M. Saracusa died. Like, if I was picking. I think M. Saracusa is definitely the one with the kind of, like, the moral gray area. Here is my headcanon for why, if indeed M. Saracusa ends up keeping the secret, why he would. I think he was a little eager to be like, hey, why don't I just take the teenage daughter of the suspect on a few dates? Mm -hmm. He was very, very eager to do that. And I do wonder... If he does end up keeping the secret, if the reason isn't that, guess what? M. Saracusa, complete dirtbag. Yeah. No, no, no. I think you actually, ironically, with this headcanon, I think you actually tap into probably what the show really wants us to think, which is M. Saracusa has come up against a person in Walter who has all this information, who has all this power, who can set something like this up. How lightly would Walter have to scratch into M. Saracusa's history to find out all the terrible shit that he did. I mean, he didn't tell Kevin about that plan. He just went to a bar and hit on Callie. He wasn't undercover. He didn't have any kind of legal protections around him. I think you're right. I think he's just a total dirtbag. And it's also a self-preservation thing as well as an ego thing. Speaking of Callie, Callie almost kills M. Saracusa. <laughs> I would have absolutely loved to see it. She also would have helped Walter out. She was ready to commit a murder. She had that gun and she was like, boom, I'm just going to shoot this fucking guy. But Walter drew him away with a hilarious mobile phone trick. Poor Jeff, almost crying, watching him doing this, setting up a killer. X-Ray Vision will be back. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. And we're back. There's a lot going on at Camp Greenpine this episode. We are seeing uh, murders, setups, all kinds of occurrences. Callie almost kills someone. Jeff's there. This is a real, like, you bring everyone in for the finale episode. But let us not forget that there is also the question of the sacrifice. 
the wilderness sacrifice, which I'm now feeling like the whole reason Camp Green Pine was there was so they could do the wilderness sacrifice <laughs> again, you know? And um, now I need to ask you this question. Sure. I really love Yellow Jackets. And even though this finale was totally out there and kind of like a jump the shark-esque thing, I'm still committed. I still care about these characters. But I do need to know this because I've been thinking about this a lot. Yes. So they pull the cards. Natalie pulls the Black King card. Yeah. Shauna pulls the Queen of Hearts. Shauna's response is extremely Shauna. She's like, we're not really doing this now. I'm the victim, are we? Oh, you're so silly. Like, how could we ever do this? Right, yeah. But every single one of those girls, not just Lottie, they just, those women, they just put the masks on and they're just going to kill her. They're ready. Explain that to me. Is it like a trigger from the past? Have they been waiting for it? Shauna played the wrong card and didn't realize how like fragile they all were. Yeah, I think that they had just been so kind of primed to be back in that mind state mm. that they were just flat out ready to do it. Yeah. And clearly very, very eager to do it, to get back in the hunt. This is why I feel like we're kind of putting the cart before the horse with the death of Natalie. You want to see those hunts. Mm -hmm. You want to see them doing this stuff that would lead them to then become these people where 30 years after the fact, just after some light suggestion... They can still click back. Yeah, you can just go right back into murder mode mm -hmm. after, you know, some random drawings of cards. Yeah. What do you think happened? I think you're right. That was the bit... I just went with the vibey, hilarious, like slapstick out there horror logic of the whole thing. That was the first bit that kind of made me sort of go, oh... I do believe that Ty, in her current state, we'd still be we'd saying it all season. Ty, get some help. Ty, check on your family. There's another issue I have with this. What's going on with your family, babe? Yeah. Just give your son a call. Please. How is your wife? Yeah. Please. I would like to know. How's the dog? Can I ask, when do you do state senator stuff? Do you work? When? Never. When, like, what is going on at the New Jersey State House? And has government ground to a halt because you are literally never fucking there. Never one day since you were elected. The freshman senator who has just been elected to office and you have been there a grand total of 0, 0.00 hours. <laughs> Zero percentile attendance. What is going on? Thaisa, please get some help. Go to work. So like, I believe she could be into it. Natalie? I don't know, maybe because like Lottie was into it again. I like your reading where I think it's more about like they're in that setting, they've got the masks, they're just primed to be there and none of them are ever really that far away from breaking. And I believe Shauna actually, her response, I think her response in the woods in the past, in the 90s would have been exactly the same. Oh, we're not really doing this. This is really dumb. I can't believe you guys are thinking of doing that. Oh, you guys, yeah. I think she would have done that. So I think in that way it plays. So Callie ends up interrupting and uh, it's really great. There's this really great weird moment where Lottie says, is that your daughter? She's so powerful. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Is she the next Anne and the Queen? I don't know, but I liked it. Like Simone Kessel sold it. It felt very ominous and important. And then eventually Lisa shows up and Lisa is like, you can't kill Lottie. She's helping me. Natalie, what's going on? Duh, duh, duh. And kind of causes a commotion, doesn't want to listen, wants to protect Lottie. And of course, 
the ever industrious Misty has another phenobarbital needle just ready. Yeah, let me hold on. Let me get in my backpack. I've got it ready to go. She's got it strapped to her arm. Who knows? Like she's like, this is the correct amount. And she pulls it out. But as they've kind of been seeding throughout the season, Natalie and Lisa have become quite close. And Natalie sees Lisa as kind of a younger version of herself and someone that she can, I guess, imagine a future for. Mm -hmm. And so Natalie sacrifices herself and Misty stabs Natalie with the needle. I don't know how much I believe that people would just believe that was a drug overdose randomly in the shoulder, you know, but they do. Works for everyone. And Misty kills her BFF which is very shocking. That was harrowing. And first of all, Natalie missed her calling as like a secret service agent because she- The timing. The timing was unbelievable. She got, she saw what was happening and got in there. I don't necessarily know that like Fina Barbatalling someone to death is the way to go in that situation, you know, but Misty has her own way of doing things. I was just like saddened. I Me too. wanted to spend more time with Natalie, although clearly we will be spending a lot of time with uh, past Natalie, Young Natalie in the future times. But this is one of those things where we just closed a loop that people are just going to like be like, okay, she's dead. And what's this stab wound, puncture wound in her shoulder? That's nothing. I know they were like, she. it was a drug overdose, which I also thought was actually, I'm sure this was intentional by the show, but that was like really gutting to me because like natalie had just spent all this time getting clean yeah besmirch her reputation one last time on the way out just be like hey yeah and then be like oh she was an addict she just died of addiction like anyone who know her oh that's just what happened like that was really fucked up i agree and that kind of i think shows that there's not really any solidarity with these women at all i don't love that because i kind of think one of the things that people enjoyed so much about the first season was the reality, and I think you get that in the past, of the kind of intricacies and violence, but also kindness of these like teen girl friendships. Yeah. And that's really fallen apart for all of them at this point. I mean, the present episode ends with, you know, Misty goes to Walter for comfort and Walter tells her, hey, don't worry, like I set her up, your friends are chill, nothing wrong here. We're just cool now. I did that for you because that's just how it is. So those two are a little pair. You have Jeff and Shauna finding out that they're going to be safe, allegedly, apparently. And then Lottie, after Ty and Van decide not to call the mental health professionals to help her before the sacrifice, because they're like, we don't do that. You know, we just we do this. We look after ourselves, which I'm like, I half appreciate it if you guys were in a better state to look after her, but you're not. And then this happens. Lottie just gets sectioned. She's going back to the mental institute they're taking her to the hospital and the two girls are like, peace out. They don't even go with her. I was like, guys, come on. You put Lottie in this situation once again. Can you please like go with her and support her? But Lottie has this to say at the end, which I think will end up becoming likely a huge talking point and could either inform the next season or definitely inform the bonus episode, which we'll kind of talk about in a minute. Lottie says like the wilderness is happy with us. She's like, you'll see. Like, I can feel it. And obviously we know Lottie is suffering from a severe psychotic break at this point. She hasn't been on her meds. She's been having visions. But I think the way that the show plays with our expectations, even though I feel like the finale here really cements our theory about it being only trauma-based, I think that by season three, opening of season three, Ty's wife will wake up. Van's cancer will start going into remission, even though it wasn't supposed to. And those questions will start popping up again of what do these sacrifices do? I 
want to jump back to one thing, which is I understand that the show wanted us to feel that Natalie was growing closer to Lisa. We had that, you know, that moment where we get to meet Lisa's family and see how eminently shitty they are on the trip back to her hometown. Mm-hmm. That was enough to be like, I'm going to take the needle for Lisa. Like, I'm not saying kill Lisa. Knock the needle out of Misty's hands. Punch Misty in the face. Yeah, I mean, we had like one nice lunch and hung out like at your childhood home. I don't know if I'm like leaping in front of the syringe for you. Natalie, just why not say look out? What about that? Look out. Yeah. So that's good. Super producer Saul did make a good point. He was saying like it could be intrinsically connected to what she didn't do for Harvey. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. You know, it's like she didn't save him. She didn't save the innocent. She didn't make that choice. And also we know that when they found Natalie, Camp Green Pine found Natalie, she was going to commit suicide. So she already has those kind of tendencies. But I would have just loved to see a story where somebody who struggled with addiction, with mental health problems, like didn't die. I was really rooting for Natalie, basically. To bring it to a more serious level, right? I think where I've come with this show and this story is that, again, it is, and I think we agree, this is basically the story of several young women who had a shared mass delusion. And this was in large part inspired by the fact that one of them had an active mental health issue, which she was running rampant and unmedicated. And this really because of this person's innate charismaticness kind of led to a lot of their very murderous and cannibalistic decisions. And it just feels like, you know, there's a lot of people with mental illness who don't eat people. (laughs) And so if that is indeed where we're going, and I guess there's still a lot of leeway on either side of that issue. I hope that it's not just they were crazy and then they committed a lot of murders and ate people because they were nuts. I like that you brought that up because I do trust this show. I I really have enjoyed this show. I feel like it's so interesting and weird. And even when it's doing the wildest things, like in this finale, you're still entertained and you're still thinking like, why would they do that? Like you're still having those conversations. But the Lottie stuff, I feel like it's tough because I don't want to prejudge it. But I would like to see a more nuanced representation of a struggle with mental illness and a bit more of a holistic view of Lottie as a person. Because like you said, a lot of us struggle with mental illness. We don't eat people, but a lot of us don't crash into the woods. That's true. Just saying, just saying. But a lot of people, I think that you raise a very good point. And I hope the mental health issue isn't essentially like a MacGuffin or like a Duex Machina. Also, speaking of Duex Machina, before we get on to the final bonus episode story, what do you think is going to happen with Misty and Walter? Are they going to go on like a, a road trip together? They are the same person. You could argue that they are mm-hmm. too much the same person. Yes, I think we're seeing that Yeah, now. but that relationship will continue if for any other reason then Walter is not going to let it go. Like this is not the end mm-hmm. of this. He did this for he her He did now. this for her and he is going to remain in her life. He's not going to let it go. That's a great point, actually, and quite a good creepy read. I saw one of the theories that my friend James was talking about that I thought was really good was Walter's endgame is he is a cannibal, and the ultimate thing, if you are a cannibal, is to eat another cannibal. wow. I like that. That's good, right? I love that. (laughs) I think that is, like, really cool, and it also plays in uh, Sin City, you know, the Robert Rodriguez adaptation of the Frank Miller comics. Uh, he played a cannibal. So I kind of liked that. And it was this huge oh, deal man. that like this cute young guy who played a hobbit was playing this cannibal killer. So I kind of like 
that echo and that potential idea that Walter has this kind of weirder ongoing endgame, which is that he just wants to eat Misty because she's also a cannibal. Yeah, I really, really like that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we should just say is we don't really know what it's going to be or how it's going to look or when it's going to come out, but... There was confirmation from the showrunners of Yellow Jackets that we will be getting a bonus episode. Wild. That is essentially going to be kind of a in between season two and season three. A lot of rumors and internet speculation had been going on that a bonus episode exists or that they were going to drop a bonus episode. We don't know when it's coming out. Doesn't look like it's too soon. But from what we're hearing as well, maybe not directly connected to the two stories we've seen, kind of like a lore episode. Is there anything in your mind that if they did like a bottle episode that you would feel like could really bring season two together or make you even more excited for season three. I think more woods stuff, more context, yeah. more. The wilderness is the, is the stuff. Is that's where the real, that's the story engine is whatever happened there. It's affecting their later lives mm-hmm. and all the drama that we get, to, you know, at Camp Green Pine at the, you know, with the murder of Adam, with Ty's ongoing struggle with hallucinations, all of that stuff stems from everything that happened in the woods. So I hope that whatever it is, is forest centric, you know, more murders that they've committed there, Mm. another hunt, whatever the case may be. But I think it has to be there. We have to, it feels strange to not know more about what happened there because it just feels like, it all informs this the other the present day storyline, and it's hard to judge what these characters do without knowing what really went on there. We know there's a few murders, mm-hmm. and certainly uh, multiple bodies eaten at this point. But what else? <laughs> yeah, we need to know. I totally agree with you. I think the democracy, the kind of burgeoning democracy of the Antler Queen, <laughs> and kind of the lore of that. We also get an interesting moment where Natalie ends up on the plane again just before she passes over and she sees Harvey and she sees young Natalie. And I wonder if there's something there about this kind of almost how Lost would do a lot of these side jumps that were kind of people all meeting up again in heaven. Spoiler alert for Lost. But I wonder if there's something about that limbo space of the plane and maybe that's somewhere where they can explore different parts of people's lives in a way that has to feel less concrete in either timeline. But yeah, I'm very interested in it. We'll see. We will see. Who knows when it's going to come out? Up next, Nerd Out. In today's Nerd Out, where you tell us what you love and why, or a theory that you're excited to share, Lee shares a mustache theory on Moff Gideon. Now, this is actually, I think it's right. I'm just going to say, I'm just putting it out there first. Before we even get in, I think this is right. Lee, first of all, presages his uh, theory by saying that it's not entirely his theory. He's seen stuff to this effect online. But the gist of the theory is this, quote, Moff Gideon's lack of a mustache this season from The Mandalorian was actually due to the fact that we were watching a clone the entire time instead of the mustache Moff Gideon we see in seasons one and two. We actually see a demustache Gideon who mirrors the clones in the tanks that Mando destroys. Thus, the real Moff is off somewhere kicking up his Imperial boots uh, and eating travel biscuits. Far more basic theory. Here's his uh, Lee's more basic theory. Quote, One, the dude was fully covered in Beskar armor, and who are we to say that he could not have survived that epic explosion? And two, there is no body. We never see a body. 
and it, uh, I'll do it in the voice here. <laughs> I'm asking Mike, where's the body? Because if we don't see a body, Mike, I'm just saying, we all know if there's no body, he might uh, not be in probably the dead. So, Mike, what do you think? Uh, there's no body, I'll take my hands off the air. Uh, I will say, I like this theory for the simple fact that, like, not having a mustache, changing bits of costume, those aren't accidental things. No. Those are very purposeful decisions. And whether it's a clone or not, I don't know. But it's clear that they want us to think that maybe that's not the same guy. I think that you are right. And I think that Lee makes a great point here. Not only by sharing this theory, I appreciate you crediting that someone else came up with it. That's very nice of you. And I think that the mustache theory holds up. Because look, if if it had just been that the brilliant actor who plays Moff Gideon no longer had a mustache, right? They could have used a fake mustache. Or as we saw in the claim movie Justice League... They could have CG'd a mustache on. They could have taken it off. You know, there's there's many different ways to add a mustache. Now, it could be the case that um, Giancarlo Esposito was only on set for three days. And mm. right after that, he had to go do another thing where he had a clean shaven face or what, what have you. I, I'll say two things. One, it's not a tremendously bushy mustache. I'm saying. Like, it, it, like, it it's, looks like... Max five days growth. Like, I think there's a you could he could have done it. You could do it. So I I love this theory. I think Jason's right. All of these things are intentional. Even if this was a simple red herring, it's a very fun red herring. But I think the reason that Lee really sells me on this is not only is it a great theory and you have the addition of, oh, you know, there's a clone that didn't have a mustache. So maybe those clones also you could have that fun kind of almost prestige kind of clone law where the clone doesn't know they're a clone. That's like a really interesting aspect because he talks a lot about all of his failed clones thinking maybe he really is the real moth. But Lee really sells me on this with the fact there's no body. We know the rules. If there's no body, we don't know you're dead. Star Wars rules, that's horror rules, fantasy rules. Every, that's every yes. franchise. That is the rule. If we never see the body, we don't know you're dead. So that I think this is so fun. And I would love yes. to see mustachioed Gideon come back. I completely agree with you. Think about, uh, you know, what they did with Natalie in Yellow Jackets. They showed us her open-eyed, mm-hmm. dead stare face for five seconds to say she is dead. D-E-D if dead. don't see that, they're alive, period. They're alive somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's me. And I, I'm still a, I'm still a Stu Lives guy. I saw that TV yeah. fall on yeah. Stu's head and scream, but I never saw his body. Maybe he yeah. survived. Maybe his face just fucked up. It can happen. Thanks, Lee. If you have theories or passions you want to share, hit us up at x-ray at crooked.com. Instructions in the show notes. Well, that's it for us. Rosie, any plugs? Oh, I have cool things to plug. So you can find me, uh, Rosie Marks, on Instagram and Letterboxd. And if you are in the LA area, and not the South Bay, I know I usually promote things in the South Bay, but on June 10th, Saturday, June 10th, me and Nick Marino will be doing a signing at Tfar, which is the comic book shop on Universal City Walk. So if you're in the Valley and you want to come say hi to us, it's a really cool shop uh, owned by Dark Horse Comics. And we'll be there signing a bunch of Godzilla stuff. So come and see us there. And if you're in SGV, like San Gabriel Valley area, me, uh, Nick, a couple of our friends, Mark, Nate, we're doing a Spider-Verse inspired art show at the really great comic shop, Nostalgic Comics. And I made a Hobie Brown fan art piece which I'll share on my socials, but if you want to see it in person, you can go there and you can support a really great shop. Catch the next episode on Friday, June 9th for a mailbag, plus an interview with Spider-Man India comics writer Nikesh Shukla. And 
Uh, a little rundown on uh, Miguel O'Hara. Spider-Man 2099, the... Spoiler. Antagonist? Mm-hmm. The villain, yes, kind of, kind of, from uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And in some sad news, X-Ray Vision is taking a mini summer vacation. Not sad for us, because we need a break, but maybe sad if you like listening to the show. There will be no episodes next week on both June 14th and June 16th, and we will be back on June 21st. If you want to watch us until then, while you miss us, subscribe on YouTube. You can see full episodes of the show and check out the Discord to hang out and meet cool people who listen to the show, who love all kinds of cool stuff from superheroes to Survivor and to sports and all kinds of rad things. And me and Jason are there too. Yay! Five-star ratings, five-star reviews. We need them. We got to have them. You got to give them to us. Here's one from NC Fla. Truly the best. Listen, I love X-Ray Vision. I've wanted to get into comics for a long time, but was never sure where to start. Jason and Rosie provide excellent recommendations in a way that is inclusive of comics newbies and experts alike. The banter between Jason and Rosie is the best. I can't recommend this podcast enough. Thank you, NC4. Thank you. See you next time. Bye. X-Ray Vision is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin and executive produced by me, Jason Concepcion. Our editing and sound design is by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Video production by Delon Villanueva and Rachel Gajewski. Social media by Ewa Okalati and Caroline Dunphy. Thank you to Brian Vasquez for our theme music. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, We've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.